0: Tonight is study number 12 of Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to read from Genesis 4, verse 11 through 15. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth." And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And Jehovah said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him, Sevenfold, and Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. You know, there's, there's some very curious comments, statements that the Lord makes concerning Cain, that really, when we just look at this historically, and when we examine this as an incident between two brothers, one murdering the other, Cain, killing Abel. Uh, we're, we're left in the dark. we We do not understand some of the things that God has said. We saw that back in verse seven concerning sin lying at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shall rule over him. We don't understand why the curse pronounced upon Cain for murder is the ground no longer yielding her strength. And, and we don't understand why God is protecting Cain when he says, anyone finding me will slay me. And and then God, instead of saying vengeance upon Cain, says there will be vengeance taken on the one that slays you sevenfold. It, it doesn't make sense until we see Cain as a representative or a figurehead picturing the corporate body of the unsaved, of those that have identification with the kingdom of God corporately. And that means um, in the Old Testament Israel, the Jews, they were circumcised. They, they had relationship with the prophets, with the oracles of God. With the sacrifices, ceremonial laws, in just about everything. But they lacked salvation. They, they did not have a new born again soul. Except for very few of them. As the Bible reveals. And it's the same with the New Testament corporate church. The vast majority of, um, churchgoers through the centuries have been like the people of Israel, mostly unsaved, mostly people who had identification with God uh, through the name, Christian, through partaking of the Lord's table, through baptism, through association with the oracles of God, the Bible, and so forth, yet lacked a new born-again soul. Cain represents these, Abel, is a picture of those elect that uh, also had that outward identification with God. They were in Israel of old. They were within the church, yet they stood in a vastly different situation with God, a very personal, intimate relationship, because their sins were forgiven. Christ was their Savior. God himself bore their iniquity, and and paid the penalty for sin, which was death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus, bear their iniquity. Now, that's where we're coming here in verse 13 of Genesis 4. And I'll read it again. And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Now, here we have a very interesting translation Um of the word here translated as punishment, it's actually the word that's most often translated as iniquity. This word again and again and again is translated as iniquity, and iniquity is sin. So literally, literally, Cain is saying unto Jehovah, my iniquity is greater than I can bear. And the translators struggled with that, and they thought, "Well, you see, God is is cursing him. He he's done wrong. He's committed murder, and, and so it it just makes more sense in the context to say his punishment is greater than he can bear." And they're correct in a way. I wouldn't say this is a, a wrong translation. It. But there's more to it once we understand the word iniquities involved. Uh, Let me show you what I mean. Let's uh, go to Psalm 51. And we'll find this same word, this same Hebrew word. It's 5771 in Strong's Concordance. Um, It's it's found in Psalm 51 three times. Psalm 51 verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In verse five, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And in verse nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. And there, there's a number of verses we could go to um, in a in a similar vein, they're saying the same thing, and of course David has sinned. He uh, slew Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the enemy. He murdered him, and he's crying out to God concerning his sin, his iniquity. So iniquity means his wrong, the thing he has offended against God, transgressed the commandment of God, and and so three times. This word iniquity. And Cain committed an offense. He did commit iniquity. And you see when he says my iniquity is greater than I can bear. I suppose you could understand it in one way. That the weight of guilt of his iniquity, his sin is pressing down upon him. And... Uh, no, no, that that is not fitting the mindset of Cain that we've seen already when God comes to him and says, uh, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I know none, am I my brother's keeper? There's a sense of just carefreeness. Certainly a lack of guilt, uh, a lack of um feeling sorrow over his sin, like King David is... Lamenting and, and bemoaning that he has committed this sin. That is not Cain. That is not Cain. No, no, Cain is concerned about himself. Cain's worried about what God is saying concerning tilling the ground and it not yielding its strength. Uh, he, he's very self-centered and he feels no remorse as far as we can tell for slaying his brother. It's all about himself and and his own concern with himself. Now, the the same word, again, 5771 in the Hebrew, that David speaks of his iniquity, is also translated as iniquity in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 5. And Isaiah 53 is a messianic, Chapter, the, the whole chapter is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah who paid for sins at the foundation of the world and who will one day enter into the world. In verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and jehovah hath laid on him the iniquity of us all see that's from the perspective of the child of god of the people that god has saved of all the company of the elect that great multitude perhaps as many as 200 million. Our iniquity was laid on Him. It was laid on Christ. It says in verse 11 of Isaiah 53, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The word bear is the same word in Genesis 4.13. My punishment is greater than I can bear, or my iniquity is greater than I can bear. You, you see what God is doing, or, or what the Bible is telling us? Concerning the Messiah, Jehovah has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He shall bear their iniquities. Jesus was bearing the sin of all the elect. But what about all the rest of the people? What about every, every other uh, person? There's billions of people. Jesus didn't die for the sins of every human being, for the sins of every person in the world, like some uh, who have a completely other kind of gospel teach. No, the Bible's clear that many will perish in their own sin. And and who will bear their sin? The answer is each one of them themselves. Cain is speaking a truth. He he is declaring a very important thing. My iniquity is greater than I can bear. He's laden with his own iniquity. All of his sin is laid upon himself because he had no Savior. He had no one to take his sin. There there was no um, imputing righteousness to him because... He, he had no one to first die for his sin to cleanse him and wash him. He's not cleansed. He's not washed. He, he's heavy laden with iniquity. And, and therefore, because this is the end of days, it's the time when God comes to bring his wrath upon sinners who are bearing their own sin. God sees their sin. It's upon them. And, when Jesus was laid in, when, when the sins of His people were laid upon Him, then God smote Him, as we read earlier. God wounded Him for our transgressions. God punished Him. Christ died and shed His blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Christ shed His blood for His people at the foundation of the world. It's the only way Abel could have been saved. Because if um, Christ shed his blood in 33 AD, then there was no blood shed for Abel it, it, here early on at the beginning of the world, the first couple of decades or three decades into time. there There has been no shedding of blood. Without the death of the testator, you cannot have an inheritance. You cannot grant heirs salvation. The testator... Christ first has to die, then you can put into effect the will. And, and that would involve the resurrection of the soul, first off, and then later at the end of time, the resurrection of the body. But, but first you need the death of the testator. First you need the blood to be shed. That's why it is absolutely essential to the true gospel of the Bible. That we understand that Christ died first. He's the firstborn from the dead and that death occurred at the foundation of the world that necessarily had to. There's no way of rightly understanding the entire Old Testament and all the saints therein, Noah finding grace in the eyes of the Lord or Abraham or whoever you want to name that could not have been saved without the death of a testator without the shedding of blood, without Jesus being the firstborn from the dead and being declared the son of God and, and, and so on. There's actually an enormous amount of biblical evidence and that has confirmed this teaching of the Bible and, and anyone, uh, kicking against the prick or fighting against it is fighting against God. He's fighting against the Word of God, the Bible. But anyway, without Jesus dying and bearing the sin, the iniquity of His people, uh, through His act of doing that, now Abel bears no iniquity. And, and all the saints of God bear no iniquity. But for the rest of the people, they bear their own iniquity. Cain was bearing his own iniquity, and we see an interesting uh, parallelism with a law of God that that otherwise would would just be kind of strange and unusual. and And isn't that actually how it is with many things in the Bible? We read them, and they seem odd, awkward, strange, unusual until we understand the spiritual meaning. And this is the way it is with the events that God has dictated or laid out for the Day of Atonement. For the Day of Atonement, God commanded something strange to take place on the Day of Atonement. There were to be two goats, two goats selected, and with one of the goats um. That would be the Lord's goat that they would uh kill it and sacrifice it. But with the other goat, that was to be laden with iniquity of Israel and then to be released into the wilderness. It says in Leviticus 16, in verse 8, And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for Jehovah, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which Jehovah's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Jehovah to make an atonement with him, and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And then a little later on, it says in verse 20 of Leviticus 16, And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them Upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Isn't that unusual? Now the one goat, the one goat that becomes the sin offering um, we, we we can understand that because the Bible's full of sacrifices, and and each sacrifice was a picture of the sacrificial Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and 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 so with the picture of the goat that was killed for the sin offering, we see Christ as he was revealed in Isaiah fifty three, bearing the iniquity. Dying for his people, smitten, afflicted, etc, for his his elect whose sins he was bearing, so that goat um, clearly pictures Jesus bearing the sins of his people and, and therefore the elect are identified with that goat that's offered for a sin offering because we're identified with Christ, but the other goat is bearing the iniquities of, as it said, the children of Israel. And this goat is not slain. It's not burnt. It's not offered up as a sacrifice in that sense. Its blood is not shed. The blood of the other goat was shed because that's pointing to Jesus, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But regarding the scapegoat, the live goat, he was not killed. His blood was not shed. And because of that, he is a picture of the unsaved who must bear their own iniquity. And see, they don't have jesus bearing their iniquity dying for their sin they must bear their own and so they're brought to the wilderness and released now isn't that uh, again this whole picture seems strange and and odd why release a goat representative like cain where was cain going Well, he was being driven out. Thou has driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And what better pictures being driven out like that than a wilderness, a barren land, a desolate land, a land not inhabited. And, you know, the word goat, the word goat is found in a couple of very interesting places. And I never recognized this before. But in Isaiah 13, and Isaiah 13 is the burden of Babylon, wherein God says in verse 9, Behold, the day of Jehovah cometh, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And then he says in verse 10, For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause their light to shine, and will punish the world for their evil. So clearly judgment day and and going on, uh, God again, this the burden of Babylon. The Babylon's judgment is a picture of God punishing the world. It says in verse nineteen, again referring to Babylon, and Babylon the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. Then in verse 21, But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. Now, what's a satyr? What's a satyr? A satyr is a goat. It's the same word. It's the word translated goat in Leviticus 16, where you take a goat and you release it into the wilderness. This is the goat. And where will that goat be found? When God punishes the world, when God darkens the sun, And, and when the day of the Lord comes, then Babylon will turn into a desolate place where you will find goats. Goats will be wandering the wilderness. You see the picture, the the picture that starts with Cain and, and it ties into the unsaved bearing their iniquity. That's what the goat's doing out there in the wilderness. He's released. You see, the the judgment of God is not suffering in hell forever and ever, burning and experiencing wrath without end, eternally. No, no, we understand it's a spiritual judgment, a spiritual judgment that God has brought. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus spoke a parable regarding separating the sheep and the goats? And the sheep are on the right hand. The goats are on the left. And Jesus says, depart from me. Let let me read that. In Matthew 25, when the uh, pronouncement is made upon those which are cursed, like Cain was cursed, it, it says in Matthew 25, verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, and again, these are the goats, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And and then in verse 46, And these goats shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That's the time of judgment day. And, and all of a sudden we have goats in view. Why goats? Why goats that are sent away from Christ? Depart from me, as Jesus said earlier to those saying, Lord, Lord. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Depart from me, go forth and and go into the wilderness where you will bear your iniquity. In Isaiah 13, we saw satyrs. In Isaiah 34, again, verse 8, for it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance. And um, you can read the chapter, and you'll see, again, the end of, of the world, the time of the wrath of God, the punishments in view. And it says in verse 10, It shall not be quenched night nor day after fire and brimstone falls. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever again. No inhabitants. It's a desolate place. And and then in this context, we don't have time to read it all, but verse 13, And thorns shall come up in her palaces, nettles and brambles, in the fortresses thereof. It shall be a habitation of dragons and a court for owls. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. And the satyr, the goat, shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl also shall rest there and find for herself a place of rest. You find the goat in view in the day of the Lord's wrath. The scapegoat, the scapegoat that is released, bearing iniquity. And, and so is Cain. So is Cain. It's no wonder he cries, my punishment or my iniquity is greater then I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day. Depart from me, as Christ said to the goats, from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive, a wanderer, and a vagabond in the earth. It shall come to pass, that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Well, now we have something else interesting going on concerning this concern that God has that no one slay Cain.